Sabate, listening from wherever the hell you are listening from. Again, I hate when I just hit that and then it just there's no sound. It's just it's just not a good fade. I have to work on my fade skills. Um, but yeah, guys, welcome to the program and welcome to episode one hundred and seventeen. All right, guys, uh, back again. Um, so we're usually when I do these, I always like to break the fourth wall, and uh, this one we're doing a little later. I think it's the latest one I've done, just because of uh, the time difference. And he'll tell you where he's from. And uh, but uh, yeah, I've been meaning to get this one done, and I've been procrastinating, and there's so much just coming out of nowhere. So I'm, I'm glad we're actually finally doing this. Um, we uh, met through again the wonderful app of Podmatch. Um, it's like I said, I recommend it for any podcasters trying to find guests because uh there's so many different uh types of guests you can find or if you want to be a guest on someone's show which is i've done as well um so yeah anyway so we'll get to our current guest um you want to explain uh, or say your name and kind of where you're from and just a little about yourself oh delighted absolutely delighted first of all it's an honor for me to be on your show tj thank you so much for having me my name is Stefan Neff. I'm a, um, an anesthetist. I'm a medical doctor. Uh, I'm a podcaster. I'm a host, a show host, speaker, um, uh, author, and with a sprinkle of madness over it all. So my creativity nowadays is superb, and I just love my life to the fullest. Needless to say, um, that was not always the case. Um, I'm also a man who knows depression, PTSD, and anxiety all too well, and a man who has tried to escape his reality with copious amounts of alcohol. And uh, it was, yeah, needless to say, it didn't end up well. So right. you have got these two people that both live in me, one, the one dude from the past, who was quite a sorry picture, but I guess uh, he had to become the man he was in order to burn like a phoenix. And now out of the ashes came the new me right. that is now appreciating life so much more. Uh, warts and all. Uh, nowadays, I love myself compared with the past where I felt uh, worthless. Well, I like that you said the whole, the two yous because... I think everybody, once you start talking like that, people just automatically assume you're crazy. But people who have been through <laughs> mental health and have been through trauma and, and so on, like for me, when I when I was first getting into this podcasting world and I was talking about the first episode where I really opened up about mental health, I just called it, you know, the dark cloud. And, you know, mm. and I said, it's just something that's constantly chasing me and always trying to absorb me and just take over. And there's another part of me where it's just like, I'm not always myself. Um, no, I'm not out here, you know, trying to hurt people or whatever, but I have thoughts of it or, you know, and it's just this thing that's, it's so opposite of who I really am. And there's days where I don't even know why I'm just annoyed or why I'm sad or why it's just, my mind is just like, nope, don't, don't do it. Uh, don't, don't find happiness in whatever you usually find happiness in. And, uh, I think that's the stuff that I, when I say people, when we talk about mental health, I always try to talk about it on every, just come at it from every angle because I think, especially here in the States, um, we talk about it on a surface level. We want to talk about it so basic and mental health right. is the furthest thing from being basic. 
And if you don't hmm. approach it from every angle, you're never going to really try to understand it. Because the reality is, like, I know, I'm sure you would agree, I don't understand my brain. I have no idea. I just try to deal with it and, and, and try to figure out how to cope with it. Hmm. Oh, so true. So true. And, and the fact is that mental health problems, uh, addiction and mental health problems like depression, they're chameleons. They come in all kinds of shapes and colors and nuances, and they hide themselves so well. Yeah, It is, you know, for me, it was anger and resentment. These were the dominant features of my depression. And it was so bizarre. But that was what it was. Was there sadness? Yes. Hopelessness, absolutely. Worthlessness, absolutely. All that. But that, that paled into insignificance compared with the anger and resentment I felt. And for other people, it is pure darkness. They are just completely catatonic. They're completely worthless, etc., and and hopeless, which is their predominant feature. Yeah. Yes, it is both the same thing. So, therefore, we need to understand that that different people manifest themselves differently. When you break it down and when you start talking honestly about your feelings and then talk to someone who knows a bit what they're doing, like a, like a doctor uh, who studied psychiatry or psychologist, and they, they are able to actually put one and one together and actually figure out, hey, man, you are actually, uh, there's so much more going on here than you think. But everything can be quite challenging yeah. and terribly, terribly confusing. When you're in the middle of the darkness, you don't know what is going on. You are, you are just ah, got like a toddler, um, completely reacting. You're a victim to those emotions. I certainly was. They were washing over me like waves, and I was drowning in these waves. Yeah. Nowadays, I understand that these waves are normal. Nowadays, I get to, I have gotten to know them, shall I say. One of the hardest things when, when I stopped drinking and when I went into a four-week uh, inpatient rehab, we had this, this session, 10 o'clock in the morning, called feelings. And feelings meant that you were sitting around in a circle and you had no sunglasses, no hat, no nothing in your hands, and you could not hide. And you were obviously not drunk or under influence. So you had to experience those feelings that came out in this hour. And this was the bizarre, the most bizarre thing you could possibly do when you are used to bury those feelings, those emotions, try to distort them with alcohol or with work or with sugar or with gambling or with cocaine, you name it, any addiction, any, any behavior that we choose to numb ourselves or to escape this reality. Yeah. On your Nowadays, mind, like you said with the chameleon, yeah. like your mind does blend in and it tends to, I think one thing I think some people don't admit is that your mind does give you like real information. Um, that's like true. Like it's not, not everything that your brain tells you when it's being negative is always wrong. Some of it is mm. legit. Like, it, you know, it, it's, it leads you down paths of, negativity and so on but there are some things that are legitimately you know negative in your life like in my case with my eyes i know hmm. that i have to struggle every day to get my eyes to fluctuate and all that and it, it'll play hmm. off of that and it'll take everything hmm. that is bad in my life and it'll 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 give this certain you know, what's the word uh, evidence it'll give you evidence of like see this is why you shouldn't try this is why 
you know, life is so much harder for you. And it's like I said, some of it yeah. is actually factual. It's just it's, some of it is a little mixed up and a little distorted that you, it's not mm. just the most obvious, like, okay, of course, mm. like it, it's not mm. easy to combat it because you know, it's your brain and your brain loves mm. to put things in your head to make you feel uh, differently about whatever it is that's going on at that current mm. time. True. True. Having said that your brain can be your best friend or it can be your worst enemy. Yeah. Because often enough, underneath our emotions, we have got these core beliefs. And they are often laid down at a very early stage. When you're three, four, five years old, um, you somehow get the absolute conviction that you are responsible that, for something that is happening. Like mommy and daddy are shouting at each other and it's all your fault. Or you become somehow convinced that you will never be happy, you will never be pretty, you will never be slim, you'll always be a fat person, you are worthless. You know, whatever core beliefs are laid down early on, um, they are just hidden there. They're little critters that then, often enough, start uh, raising their ugly heads. And then something happens in your life, and these core beliefs come out. Ha ha, see? you're a failure. I mean, I was the classic thing. I was, I had the core belief that I was a failure and I worked hard in my profession. I got best at school. Um, I got uh, really good in university. I became a doctor, got all kind of alphabet soups behind my name, kind of titles, etc. Um, yet my brain was telling me I'm a failure. And then when I looked at it, it didn't matter how much I earned or it didn't matter how many publications I wrote. Uh, I just had to look somewhere in my family and there was uh, discontent there. Aha, see, you're a failure. Or I, I, I became a self-fulfilling prophecy because I wrote myself to-do lists that no sane man could possibly accomplish in a week. Yet I expected that to be done in a day. Well, guess what? I could only do a fraction of it, and I could prove to myself, see, you're a failure. So sometimes it is the stuff that we inadvertently accept as truths, which are, is essentially bullshit, that turns our life to the negative. It is equally very true, remember, that if we take our senses, that you know that if you lose one sense, you can very much strain other senses and focus on improvements there. That's a fact. There are enough studies out there to, to prove that. And there are enough people out there who live lives um, by uh, that you think is impossible. They, they, I don't know if uh, for people with, with poor sight or no sight, um, they run marathons, they, they climb mountains, you name it, they do it. So you, you can see that actually, hang on, so both people have lost their eyesight. One person is deep down in the dumps and is really upset and becomes and stays a victim, whilst another person is a survivor and becomes a thriver and goes out there and becomes the, the, the picture perfect, uh, the poster child of, uh, of people with a disability achieving amazing things. So what's the difference? What's the difference between these two people? Both have lost their eyesight, but one is living life to the fullest. The other one 
is in the darkness. What do you think about that, TJ? Yeah, I mean, again, obviously certain circumstances put people in certain positions, and like I said, with PTSD and depression, everything can everything is just circumstances. Sometimes you, some one person could have the same exact situation and just go in a t- totally different mm-hmm. direction. Um, Absolutely. And again, it's also who's in place in their life, um, you exactly. know, parenting, so everything. True. There's so, so much, true. there's so much to it. And then when you actually get to mm. like, you know, that those key years before you really fully develop really do matter. If there's a lot of trauma and abuse in that time. It can really Absolutely. ruin your, your mind state of, your current reality. And so, yeah. You're so true, TJ. Yeah. You're spot on there. And that's the key thing. By accepting that and getting to know that, that's the start. That's the start. So to to somehow fall prey to the think positive movement. Uh, hey, I think positive and therefore the law of attraction will bring other positive things to me. Yeah, if you don't deal with the not so positive things in your life, you won't get very far. Um, so yeah. it is, I think, what we two have just done by opening up about those kind of shitty things that are going on deep down in the recesses of our brains. With accepting that, suddenly you can actually change your current reality yeah. by actually reframing and readdressing these core beliefs that probably don't serve you so well anymore. For me, the failure, well, nowadays, my core belief, I worked long and hard on that. It's no longer, I'm a failure. The, instead, I'm saying, no, I'm growing and learning instead of, I'm a failure. In other words, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. So that's how reframing such a core belief can certainly set you up to something to a life that is very, very different. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, that is... The most traumatic things, I you, think, is what you learn the most from. Because... Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, when, when things... It, good things happen, you can learn from it, sure. But mm. a lot of times we tend to just not appreciate the good stuff as much because the journey is where you actually learn and, and when the bad things happen to you, it hits you and, and it doesn't feel mm. like you're learning anything when you're like really consumed and, and just stuck in it. You, you don't feel like anything, mm. especially when it's like you're at your worst, you're at your darkest times and it's like you're at the bottom of the steps and you go to look up to see where the top is, when, what's the last step mm. and, and it's just thousands of steps and you're like, oh, I can't make this, like I'm, <laughs> I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get tired after a couple hundred and, and the reality of it is yeah. like, you just have to keep going and keep going and, and at mm. some point when you get a little older, the whole quicksand, like it's, it's all about grabbing on the stick and yeah, you're mm. still going to sink a little bit but it's you're not sinking mm. as much. Like you're not taking two steps back and one step forward. It's reverse, or maybe three steps forward and one step back. Indeed. You just got to keep going because otherwise, you know, like Perfect. I said, progress. Sometimes progress isn't as instantaneous as we would like it to be. I mean, most cases, mm. exercise, anything, <laughs> just anything in life. Well, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. You, so you gotta, you just got to, you have to stay consistent. Like one of the things I've gotten. Yeah like praise for is being consistent with the podcast because I have been inconsistent yeah. in certain parts of my life because I get so frustrated and, and, and so on. And, and I just, I've, I've talked to so many people I've had on the show who have had podcasts and they're just like, well, we're taking breaks and you know, I'm just not feeling <laughs> it right now. And I just, I have put out <laughs> one a week for over a year and a half. And it's just like, I just keep going because nice. I don't, I just want to help people. And I look, I've been discouraged many times <laughs> because of numbers and so on, but you just have <laughs> to keep pushing 
because there exactly. there always is another little voice in the back of your head just saying like just you got to stay you got to stay on the uh, the path. Mm. Um, and that ninety percent of success is showing up. That is there. Show up, and you will be amazed what happens. And I think that is something that we sometimes keep forgetting. Now, admittedly, when you're in the darkness, sometimes there are days when you just want to curl up in a ball and want to cry. Yeah. And that, I think that's okay. Yeah. There will be days like that, and you have to give yourself this time out. There will be days when there's not enough cheesecake in this world, and you really eat crap and and feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. I think that is absolutely normal. Crying is but healthy. Just yeah, exactly. Oh, so true. That's so true, man. Um, and if you indeed, if 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 I'm in such a mood, or if I feel that maybe I really need to do that then actually I try to speed that up. And I can put, for example, um, Les Miserables on. Les Miserables is at this French musical. And it's beautiful, gorgeous songs. And everyone dies. And it's just, oh, God. I listen to it and my tears are coming up. Hmm. And in the past, it is being being a macho or being a type A personality. Boys don't cry. Right, right, um, right. Well, the best thing I could do was actually have a bottle of red wine and put Les Miserables on. And then finally, the disinhibition of the alcohol together with the music making me soft like a child, not at all. Um, and that was so nice. That was such a pressure cooker relief valve, honestly, in my life. But that's a weird thing. See, I could not, I could not release in any other way. I needed that alcohol in the past to allow me to finally be the true me. I didn't have to fight and pretend any longer. That was, I mean, my background, uh, one of the traumatic things that happened in my life was when I was 13, I became victim of a, of a gang assault. And uh, quite an obvious. Can you tell people where you're from? So that because I that's one thing you, we didn't. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Right now, I'm living in the future. Do 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 do. I'm in New Zealand, so the first country that sees the light in the day. So right now, I'm in New Zealand, but where I grew up was actually Germany. Germany. Okay. So I'm of German German descent. Now, did you live in a, like and, a rough area? Because you said you got a gang assault. So. Oh, it was sort of working class, but uh, there was really not so much, uh, no, certainly not nothing in comparison with American deprived inner cities or so. We had some dodgy areas, but it, it, I was not aware of that. I think it was more a matter of wrong place, wrong time, and um, just some idiots. And the gang leader just wanted to have some fun and punched my lights out and, and, and hurt me. And I, it, it forever changed me. I was 13. He knocked out all my teeth, the front teeth. And uh, you don't get permanent implants until you're 18 in Germany. So you can imagine for, for basically five years, I didn't, I didn't smile. Um, and that sort of reflected my mood because that was the 70s. No one knew much about PTSD at that time. Um, and it was a matter of, okay, you're a man, you're a fighter. I mean, this was the 80s then. You talk of Mel Gibson, Lethal Weapon, Bruce Willis. These were all my heroes at that time. So what did I do? I, I started training, and I trained really hard. Uh, I got into martial arts. I, in Germany, you can uh, train with the police and law enforcement agencies. They've got police sports clubs. So I trained martial arts there and became, became obsessed with it. So I really worked out every day to four hours in addition to school. 
And my life turned dark. I was a fighter. I was ready to kill anyone at any one second in time. But again, I set myself up to fail because you can't be in this 100% readiness state 24 7, 365 days a year. No. And then after four or five years, when I then went to university and suddenly discovered alcohol, finally I could switch off. My God, finally I could laugh without having to watch my back all the time. And it was such a beautiful thing. So alcohol was such a, such a nice thing for me to start off with. Um, it, had, it gave me a lot of positive things um, at the start of our friendship, at the start of our relationship, so to speak. Um, needless to say, uh, down the line, that is no longer true. But the darkness, it was, again, I set myself up because I expected myself to be 100% ready for an attack at any one second. And fair enough, I mean, the, I brought the gang leader behind bars and he swore he would kill me once he gets out and all shit like that. It sounded like a bad film, but um, that was my reality. So I thought, okay, I've got three years to get my shit together and then there will be a life and death fight. Um Needless to say, the guy never found me. I never searched for him. Right. And uh, my life went another way. But the PTSD remained. In all fairness, the PTSD, I reframed it in a really nice way. I was ready. I was ready for anything that life would throw me. Um, that was the way I was looking at it. And that is really cool when you're a doctor because you're really quite, quite good in it. So whatever happens with the patient, you pick it up there and then in a heartbeat and you're ready. So I became really good in, in crisis management and, and dealing with trauma and all that adrenaline stuff. Um, that was cool. And I taught that to other doctors, uh, crisis management courses, all that. <laughs> with hindsight, <laughs> well, hello, hello. That was PTSD talking. Um, well, you, and, don't, you don't yeah, know when you, like when you get, because when we're born, we're so innocent. And then... Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're still relatively innocent even in our teenage years because the world is actually just hitting us for the first time and um, mm. we're actually allowed to leave the nest beyond just school um, <laughs> and so then and now we're developing rapidly and everything you know puberty and all that comes in and when when you get older there's a lot of traumatic things that happen to you when you're a kid you know like I was bullied a lot as a kid molested or certain things that mm. happened to me when I was a child and I didn't think any of that stuff had much of an effect on me because I never thought about it. It was just like, whatever, I have too mm. much to worry about because I'm going through surgeries and all this stuff. I can't really focus mm. on it on the on this current day. But then you get older and you start building up like resentment and anger and, and towards people or women or whoever. Mm. And you just like, what, where is this coming from? Because like even like with the thing with women, <laughs> like most of the people in my life that I love the most are, are women. And so then there was this uh -huh. time where like I just kept getting rejected and women were treating me like shit. And I was just like, well, women, are, they all suck. But then I look around in my life uh -huh. and 80% of the people in my life that, I, that matter the most to me and, and all the people that took care of me and looked after me were women. So then I'm like, what, 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 why am I so angry? And, and it just builds and builds. And then you, you get to an age where you're smart enough to kind of like, you know, go through your, your brain and just say, Oh, there's something else in there. There's, you got to shake this loose. Like I remember being in therapy one time and she just randomly was like, well, why don't you, add, well, you haven't never mentioned anything about your father. And I'm like, 
oh, well, let me tell you about this asshole. And I just went off. <laughs> but after it was over, I was like, wow, do I really hate him this much? I mean, he never beat me or molested me or anything. But I, like, had this anger for a person. Again, there was stuff that was, you know, unnecessary and so on. But the the anger that was coming out was if this guy really did horrible things to me. And I'm like, yeah. man, like, that's been in there that whole time? It's like, shit, where did that come from? And and so uh, you really uh, got to uh, deal with it. And so when you get older, you know, like you're going it? to school and becoming isn't a doctor, it? like, yeah, you're smart. You got a, mm. a life together. But on the, mm. at these weird, uh, like, oppor- opportune times where you're just like, okay, um, mm. where, why is this showing up now when life is actually good? Um, good, good. I love it the way you say that. So true, yeah. because often enough, that's then the reason we procrastinate and self-sabotage, because there is this core belief that you don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve to have a good relationship. And then without you knowing, you start sabotaging your life so that it, again, complies with your absolute bullshit core belief that you are not worth having a relationship. If you suddenly become an asshole instinctively, uh, and push that other person away. Well, hello, it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And this is the, the, the things that I had to learn the hard way. It is uh, much of my anger and resentment um, is, yeah, misplaced often enough. Often enough, I hear something, uh, the way my wife looks at me, it triggers me. And I come out fighting, shooting. And you think, what the hell? She just said something nice and vice versa. I mean, it is just, I just came from a nice lunch date. Well, I thought it would be a nice lunch date uh, with my wife. I spontaneously said, hey, look, come on, what are you doing? I'm finished early at work. Why don't we have lunch in Café de Paris? Have some nice romantic kind of, of moment. Oh, boy. <laughs> Somehow one word led to the other. And it was a very intense meeting, a very intense uh, time together where we both were triggered by each other. And that's bizarre. Now, the trick that we have done, that we have learned over the years, is that we actually close our eyes. Um, So I get triggered when she rolls her eyes, or when she frowns in a certain way. Somehow that is a leftover from my parents' uh, disapproval or whatever it is. So I've learned that at times I close my eyes and just listen to her voice and listen to what she is actually saying rather than how is she saying something. And so I've, I've learned to disarm my own uh, anger and resentment uh, this way. Uh, but it's interesting. So, yeah, it is. Uh, sometimes we get triggered, and if we never do the work to explore what, what is actually causing all that, we, are, we will live uh, the same sad life as Pavlov's dog, where basically a guy rings the bell and you start drooling because you have associated that particular ring with a certain reaction in your body. Well, if someone frowns and you get angry like on the drop of a hat, well, maybe that is not the most beneficial kind of of thing um, to do. And if you then need a drink in order to calm that anger down, whoa, that starts an interesting journey. You might as well start drinking at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, because someone will frown at you, someone will look at you funny, and if you're a slave to such emotions where you don't know where they even come from, oh boy. And that was the life I lived up until about eight years ago, so you're quite right. Yeah. Scary when you actually talk about it openly, and honestly, it's actually 
um, how emotionally immature I was in my middle age, so to speak. That's that's fucking scary, oh, actually. Yeah. But it is it is so true, and it holds so true to many of the people I meet, many of my guests, many of my of the people that cross my path in my daily life, many of my <laughs> patients that I anesthetize. Yeah. There's so much work that we all can do, and it starts by being open and transparent. And that is a, that's something that you offer in your in your show here. You bring on guests that are authentic, that are transparent, that have gone through the hard times, and they are now speaking out. And that is so beautiful. Well, I don't, With that, well, I you it, yeah. you are trying to to make to make this world a bit better, one interview at a time. And that is so beautiful, TJ. So thank you very much for, for creating such a such an open dialogue. Because yeah. the more we can be open and honest, the more we realize the bullshit that our own brain tells us at times, the bullshit maybe that other people tell us, right. including our leaders, including those people that are supposed to be our peers. Yeah. Well, we also we we and I appreciate your compliment. Uh, we live in this society where now everything is politically correct, and you know, I, I was talking to a woman at my other job, and she's the HR lady, and she was she's trying to make all these restrictions and and so on, and they have people with disabilities there, and I'm like, you can make all these restrictions, and you can say what we can say and what we can't do, but do you understand? People with disabilities don't live in an HR world. We are people that get judged all the time. We get mistreated, including by the people here. And you want us to follow yeah. these rules that don't really apply to us whatsoever. Um, they apply to you. And, um, you know, if, if we don't like if we don't have the open conversation with without worrying about who we're going to offend, if, we, if people get offended, they get offended. But at least it keeps the conversation going. At least someone can say something and say, well, I don't agree. OK, you don't agree. Why don't you agree? Let's not do the Fox, hmm. CNN and, and all the you know companies all over the world that just continue to push the same couple narratives and, you know, because it's like, for me, it's like I tell people here I don't vote because I don't want to vote for somebody that doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't, And I don't mean just for me, me as a person with a disability, just me as a, just a regular tax paying citizen. They don't do anything for me. And they're like, well, you have to vote for the lesser of two evils. And I'm like, that's just stupid. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because it's like, okay, vote for Hitler or Saddam Hussein. Like what, what, what? Okay, who, one person killed a million less people, so we're gonna go with that guy. Like, yes, it's an extreme analogy, but it's to break down your no, stupid no, theories. Right. It's 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 so stupid. So it's like if I don't have real conversations with people, because I don't want people coming on here and just like, oh, I have a disability, life sucks, uh, it's over. No, I understand how they get mm. to that point because I've been there. But if we don't have the real conversation where. You know, if it's not going to be had, then how are we going to learn and how are we going to help the people that are on suicide watch or, or just at the point where they're just like, woe is me, my life is over. I want to help those people. Mm. I just don't want to talk to them right now because they're at a stage where it's just it's going to bring the rest of us down. Uh, I'm still fighting mm. for them. Um, and it's just. Hell yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like I said, like just kind of the conversation we've been having, like, yeah, like I, I go through this constant every so often when I'm doing something good, I've been working on my 100th episode. I have more done past that, but I left the slot open because I wanted to kind of celebrate with a lot of the guests I've had on. And, uh, they all have been saying nice things. The people that I've done these little, like, I don't know, voicemails, I guess you want to call it. And I'm putting it together mm. and it's all coming out great. And they're all saying these really nice things about me. And I was feeling really good about myself. And then just, 
I ended up having like a bad interview with somebody because she just was immature and so on. And so I had to scrap it. But it just like the thing she said for some reason bothered me that day. And then I just started eating at myself again. And I'm just like, what, what, why are we doing this? Like, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying the greatest person in the world, but I know I do a lot of good. And it's just, right. I tend to just pick at myself over and over and over. And I got enough issues like, you know, medically, it's like, I, you know, my mind is, oh, I'm always at war with my brain. Um, some days are mm. more quiet than others, but mm. you know, the fact that I can smile at all is, is a miracle, but still <laughs> the fact that I can still laugh and have a good time and even want to do this, like I'm, I'm still heading in the right sure. direction. It's just, I tend to step on landmines a lot. I just continue mm. to just walk around and I just go up that what was that oh shit that wasn't good and it, it's it's man. See, you're stepping on them i'm tap dancing in the minefield man it's true it's true come on it is but it is impossible to live a life where where no shit happens there will always be things that go pear-shaped just by the definition of of life by by if we look around at the people around us, 10% of people do have a personality disorder. Now, sometimes they can be quite quirky. Sometimes they can be real assholes. And that is 10%. That's hardwired in their brains. 1% of the population are psychopaths and sociopaths. For them, there are no normal rules. And some of them actually love to make your life a misery. So hang on. The chances are there. Like it or lump it that someone will really, really, really get close to you. Um, things will happen with climate change. There will be disasters. With uh, new viruses like COVID coming out, suddenly our life changes. Um, there will be death and despair around you just by the nature of us being human beings, like it or lump it. But it is a matter of us learning about those emotions that are coming through us questioning the the voices that we hear. I love it how you say that you're at war with yourself. And I ha have exactly that person living in there. Exactly that person. You say, you idiot, you failure, you asshole. And it is so common that this guy wants to come out to play. Nowadays, I have learned lessons and often lessons the hard way, but I've learned tricks to actually deal with this dude. Um, one of them is gratitude. So there are days, like start of this week, I was striving to work and I was somehow, I, I could have easily gone into a dark hole. I was just sitting at the brink of the hole. And I felt it and I said, nah, nah. And I started uh, speaking out loud on the way to work. I'm happy and grateful that. And then sometimes I have to think a second or two, and then suddenly something comes. On that day, it was very easy. Uh, I just followed the news with the Ukraine war developments, and I thought, I'm so happy and grateful that right now I can drive here and there is no risk of uh, a bomb dropping or a mortar around coming down and, and taking me or my family out. I'm so happy and grateful that I've got a car that I can drive. I'm so happy and grateful that I've got money to actually fill that car, and so on. I don't have to drive long to get to work, only about seven minutes. By the time those seven minutes were over, I had a big smile on my face. Having said that, had I focused on something else in those same seven minutes, 
I would have come to work rather angry and probably not such a nice guy. So you have the choice. How do you respond to exactly the same thing? Um, it is incredibly upsetting how we can see scenes developing that, that are nowadays shown to us much earlier uh, with the Ukraine war. So in the past, years would have passed until someone dug up some of our accident, a mass grave. Nowadays, we have got it there more or less as it happens. Um, it's still upsetting, incredibly upsetting. We're in 2022. How the hell can we still behave like that as human beings? But we do. So I could choose uh, with those facts, I could go into a dark depression or I could actually say, no, what a bullshit. I can't control the Ukraine but I can control my own emotions, how I respond to that. I might say, okay, I actually maybe have some money and might want to want to send that to a relief agency that is working somewhere. Yeah. Or um, I might have other ways of dealing with that. Um, for us addicts, it is often that we, the issue of making amends, we have, we have stuffed up in the past in our own behavior and you can't undo those things, but you can own them and learn from them and make amends. So you can make living amends where you actually live a life um, in such a beautiful way that it becomes, that you become the torch or the candle in the darkness of other people. And that is living amends. Uh, it is, you can do direct amends when you actually write to someone and say, look, I've treated you like shit in the past. May I please reintroduce myself? I'm now a new person. That might be something. It might be um, amends in such a way that you maybe maybe you you treated an animal really badly when you were drunk or when you were when you were in a really really bad space. You might now volunteer for SPCA or something like that. So you can make those amends and change the present and change the future as such. And as such, you can live by example. And that is a beautiful thing in the addiction world. Now, I believe it's the same in every day's life. You choose what you can do. You choose how you want to respond to the influences that come from the outside. You are, you get to choose what you let in and how that, what you let in does affect you. Yeah. I think we need to move away from the victim mentality. Oh, poor me, poor me, poor me, another one. No, no. Um, it is, yeah, shit happens. Okay, learn from it. If you were directly involved in that shit, well, what was your, what was your role in that whole scenario? Are you really as innocent as you think? Or did you actually, you know, it takes two to tango. Um, so that you're constantly rowing with your wife. Well, hang on. Is that really only her fault? If you have constantly uh, crap with your children, well, hang on, what are you doing? What is your part of it? So all those kind of things. You, you, you need to reflect on, on what you are doing, what your own role is in yeah, that. You have to self-evaluate yourself, but like, on a, like a down the middle, you know, not where it's like you're coming from, you know, the other side of you where you're just like, oh, I suck. You have to, it has to be neutral. Like you have to really look at every part of you so you can grow and just say, okay, hey, what is, what are my good, what are my strong points? What are my bad points? And, you know, and, and then if you want to just take that to the, the individual situation that you're 
bothered by. You go, okay, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? And maybe, maybe there is no wrong. Maybe there is no right. Who the hell knows? But True. you got to evaluate True. yourself and you have to look at yourself as a person who could be wrong and mm. could be right. You just have to, like I said, you have to look at it from, from your standpoint. And, and you got to put yourself, I think one of the things that a lot of people have trouble doing, especially in, in this greedy society where we're so selfish, we, ha- we have trouble putting ourselves in other people's shoes. And we, mm. we tend to just look at every incident, every aspect of life from our eyes and not other people's. And that's why there is mm. so much, you know, diversity or, you know, less diversity than there should be because there should, there's, there's, that's why people, you know, whether it's racism mm. or sexism or people just, you know, especially as a person with a disability, I know a lot of people that make rules for people like me to work for them or whoever. It's through mm. eyes of people who have perfect sight. It's not people who are visually impaired or blind. They don't have, and it's, mm. okay, you, I understand that they, you know, most of the people there are, are fully sighted, fine. But why don't you have somebody on your team, on your board, or, or wherever that can give you that information? And it's like, no, we, we can't do that. And you know, I know companies <laughs> that actually hire people with visually impairment and blind, but they still don't really have much influence of people with visual impairment. And if they do, they're usually people that are kind of make enough money, and they're kind of in the place where they feel like I'm. I'm better than them and I'm as good as you, you know, able-bodied people, which everybody should feel equal, but it's, it's almost like you forgot where you came from. And so, so their influence really isn't really necessary at all because they're not helping us. And the ones that are, are pushing and struggling every day have to deal with the bullshit rules that now that that person doesn't, cause they got some sort of power or money or fame or whatever. Um, and <laughs> you can't forget about where you came from. You can never do it. That's why like, for me, this whole goal is just to, you know, put people with disabilities on a, on a platform where people can speak and be themselves. Cause I don't, if I get any fame or anything from this, I don't want to just go like, look what I did. Like, yeah, there's a part in there. Sure. But at the end of it is like, look at all these amazing people that are out there too. I don't, I don't, I don't see myself as, you know, an individual of the disability community. Cause I can't, no matter how, if I become a billionaire tomorrow, it means nothing because my goal is to, you know, spread awareness on what people with disabilities, how, like, how amazing we are. Well, I can't do that mm. as an individual because I'm only one person and there's 1.6 billion of us. How is that going to help? Like, mm. it, it doesn't do anything for me. So you have to, so kind of back to your thing, like, yeah, if you don't self-evaluate yourself and you don't like, because for me, being a good representative of the people with disabilities, I never had a voice in high school. I never had a voice in, in, in even in college and all that. I always stood to my, you know, stayed to myself. But when I saw more yeah. of us becoming discriminated in, in, in the, the, the workplace where now I wasn't my own individual, I was, you know, the blind people over there. I yeah. didn't like that because I wanted my individuality. Now I'm growing. Now I'm an adult. It's like, this is bullshit. I, this is not what I signed up for. I'm, I'm here to get a paycheck, but I'm working harder than that person. And it has nothing to do with their visual impairment or why we're similar. That's the only thing we probably do have or maybe the color of our skin. But at the end of the day, yeah. I just want to be my own self. And so when I finally started to take some leadership and obviously the podcast and things came after that, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to um, sit around and feel sorry for myself. I just wanted to spread awareness, but mm. I now know like what I say now matters to some degree because, uh, well, you know, I'm an advocate and I'm advocating for people with disabilities mm. and I'm not just advocating for blind and visual impairment. I'm advocating for every condition and every weird little quirk out there um, <laughs> yeah. And, and then of course mental mm. health and everything else. And 
I can't, I can't. So I have to be honest with myself and I have, if I'm going to put myself on that kind of stage and say, Hey guys, this is me. Uh, I expect you guys to be honest with me. I expect you guys to share all your horror stories and and, and your deepest thoughts. I can't come out on this platform and do that and then not do it myself. You know, so yeah. then knowing that it's going to take something out of me to say like, yeah, there was these times, you know, my, here's my suicide attempt, guys. Here is when I was molested, guys. Like for me to do that, I have to like, I know that I'm going to go through it again and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to feel some stuff. I'm not, mm. I'm going to feel angry. I'm going to feel sad. And maybe there'll be some happy at the end of the rainbow. But I also know like it's therapeutic and it's, it can help somebody because if I leave out part of my story, there might be somebody that's going through the exact same thing. And if I leave one little step out, they will probably yeah. assume that they're the only one that went through that. And I can't do that because it's not yeah. fair. So yeah. yeah, you have to value yourself on every level because if yeah. you don't, you're not going to yeah. help, you're not going to help enough people and you're not going to help yeah. yourself. And exactly. And again, a very good, good key point there. This evaluation is one thing, but then, okay, now that you have figured out, okay, these are all the things that contribute to the complexity of being me. I'm not just a disabled person. I'm actually a person who has got depression in the past and maybe PTSD and complex PTSD. Whatever it is, you are a mixture of things. So, okay, so you're, you're disabled. So what? What now? I should say not, not so what. I should say what now. Um, I'm an addict. Yeah, what now? Where are we going from here? Um, and that is then, I think, where the magic happens. Once you actually ask the right questions to your life, then you are, and if you're able then to listen to the answers that come to you, then actually things start, then the magic starts, really. Yeah. Because then the growth starts, yeah. the exploration starts, the fun times in a film start. You have had the the introduction of the film. The scene is set. Yes, you have figured out who the main the main key players in the film are, and now it's time to have fun because yeah. now you get to explore. So you have figured out. Okay, you don't like depression, and you have figured out. Okay, I don't like my disability, and you have figured out a few other things. Okay, that's cool. So where from now? Right. So how do you get a real good belly laugh? In other words. Who do you want to be when you grow up? And that's the cool thing. If you say, well, I can't do anything about a disability, but I can do something about my mood. I can do something about my connections with other people. Yeah. Maybe those people that I, that I have around myself, which either maybe supporting me in my victim role and maybe are a bit codependent, would love you to be in that victim role because then that gives them a meaning. Um, maybe they are not so clever to be around. What about if I have, if I'm together with other people who maybe have the same disability, who are real badasses and who have, for example, they don't really think too much about a disability, but they've got an investment club. They discuss how they can do joint ventures, buy houses, renovate them, flip them and make gazillions of dollars. Um, Oh, that would be quite a cool bunch to be together with. They've got the same disability as you, um, but they're actually saying, no, no, yeah, yeah, okay, yes, I'm disabled, so what? So did you see that property there? Hey, let's do something. Um, or something completely different. I'm, I'm making it up as I go here. But, you know, it is who you associate with um, can mean a huge 
difference for your life. That's the, that's for us alcoholics. That's that's the typical thing. When we drink too much, we deep inside know it. So what do we do? We surround ourselves with other people who drink too much. And therefore, that all becomes normal. And you always try to have at least a few people in your group that drink more than you. So therefore, you can say, no, I'm not an alcoholic. Look at Joe over there. No, he is. A, oh, come on, look at him here. Um, so you always want to have that. Take all that shit away and actually create a new group um, where alcohol, you know, no one drinks or if they drink, they, they, they have one beer and then that's it. But they focus on other things, whatever that may be. Maybe that might be, I don't know, listening to music, playing music, something like that. You might, you might come together all uh, and, and, and create something. I don't know. Um, have some kind of club, have some kind of connection that uh, you thrive from, that, that builds you up, that, that puts a smile on your face. Meet those people. Bring those people into your crowd and your, your tribe. And suddenly your life will be very different compared with, uh, with you choosing uh, actively or, or just by, by accident be surrounded by people who don't really bring out the best in you. So that is something that you can very actively work upon uh, in, in trying to see, well, who are the people that you can work with? And that might be something, if you have some money, maybe you might wish to consider a mentor. You may wish to actually pay for, for a coach, a life coach, to actually hold the mirror in front of your face and um, listen to you and say, well, you know, man, um, sounds all quite good, but do you really think that this is the way to go? Kind of a thing. Or who helps you? Right. Who helps you bring out the best, the best out of you? Something, who says, yeah, well, no, sorry, I you. Say, something I was, that I, I've discovered while doing the podcast was that how I, w I had a lot of shame towards my disability. And uh -huh. and how I just didn't feel adequate or feel I've always felt lesser than people who could see, um, mm. and not mainly people who can see who don't have disabilities, just able-bodied people, and because they made all the rules, and I'm trying to fit in, and 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 so while doing this, I'm interviewing all of these people. I remember one of my friends from the UK named Phil, and he paralyzed himself, so he's paralyzed from the shoulders down, and. I'm interviewing people who, and I've worked with some people that are totally blind and, and, and just, I'm interviewing all these people that are going through so much shit and I'm realizing, I'm like, man, but I'm, I'm so grateful that I can walk. I'm so grateful that I can mm. hear and I can do this and I can mm. see some. And it started to come out of like what I was actually grateful for, where it's hard to see that, um, you know, I was like, I was blind, but in a different way. I was just wasn't seeing mm. like the things that I could do. Um, and I always, mm. I mean, I always tried to push the envelope, but I never really thought about it. I just, I was just that person that just would, anybody told me I couldn't do something, I would just try to do it. Um, and so <laughs> it, it, it's just, Good. yeah, but it, it's for me, like I said, when I'm, I'm getting, and again, I've made so many friends out of this and I try uh, to keep an eye on everybody because I know they're going through stuff and it helps me to feel that they're doing okay. And, um, mm. but yeah, it was one of the things I really came to terms with myself I'm like, yeah, I have to appreciate what I'm, what I am going through, because there's a lot of people that are struggling and just going through so much shit. COVID aside, and and, and whatever, there's people that are dying right now, and there's people just yeah. in poverty and so on. It's just like I I can sleep in my bed at night, you know, or I'm, I'm bitching about work, and it's like, well, I have a job, 
Um, true. It's, it's just very so, yeah. true. I mean, I'm I still get to the you know I get to the dark place every so often. It's just nowhere near as dark mm. as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And if it is there, um, if I get such emotions, then I consider them as messages. Um, these are messages from my body, and typically it is it has to do with hold, H A L T, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Um, if I'm physically hungry or thirsty, if I'm angry or if, if my mood is, is changing for, for certain reasons, if I'm, I feel lonely or if I feel tired, these all become triggers for me to be self-destructive, to be maybe think about a drink again or be or let the angry guy out, etc., etc. There are certainly there are certain conditions where I have to say, okay, hang on. So in other words, if I feel depressed, then more often than not, it's burnout. Uh, I have, again, burned a candle on both ends and in the middle somewhere for too long. And my body says, oi, idiot, stop it. And that's fair call. I'm really then an idiot and I have to take it on the chin because I have neglected my own recovery. And when I use recovery, these are words that we use in addiction. I could also say self-love or uh, my my looking after myself. Um, I have become more tired either due to my own actions or uh, uh, decisions, or due to uh, to external circumstances. It's just sometimes you're in a in a phase in your life you just have to kick ass, and and that's it. You just get on with it. There will be times like that, um, and that's okay. But you know, if you keep going, 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 like the proverbial energizer bunny. Um, sooner or later, your batteries will be drained. You will run out, you walk into a wall, like it or lump it. So if I'm low, if I'm getting angry, then more often than not, I know, okay, this is my body trying to tell me something and where I just have to listen. And if I don't listen, I paid it, I paid a price for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, <laughs> What do they say? Every action has a reaction. It just, you know, it's, it's <laughs> anything. And that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of us, we get to a certain place and we think that, you know, nothing else bad can happen to us. You know, like we, we just, if we, if we, <laughs> we revert back to old behavior, bad shit can happen. Uh, oh yeah, true. Like, you know, I, I've always tried oh, to stay out of drama and so on. Go ahead, buddy. What were you going to say? Oh, no, no, that, that's a procrastination. That's a self-sabotage. That's exactly where, where, uh, that comes in. It, it seems like a, like a Greek tragedy. Um, I'm sure somewhere up there in the sky, there is a Greek pantheon and the gods are looking down and looking at me and say, Hey, look, he's doing fine. Hey, we need to think of something new. Come on, come on. It's boring, guys. What shall we do? Uh, what other catastrophe can we throw at him? And, uh, I'm, I'm, Sometimes, yeah, well, not sometimes, about two, three months ago, it was literally every six hours that something new occurred. I just timed it and I thought, you're kidding me. Every six hours, there was a new negative message or uh, some disaster, some brush fire in my family or some crap happening. And I just thought, you're kidding me. Give me a break. You just deal with one emergency and the next one comes and the next one comes. And there are times like that. But it is... There will be shit times, but again, uh, at the same token, you have got, you get to do something about your baseline. 
you can actually look after yourself. You can make sure you stay hydrated. You can make sure you eat at regular intervals and eat healthy, not just bloody sugar fixes. Um, you can make sure that you have got some exercise. Um, and there are no excuses. Uh, it is, uh, there was a beautiful book um, about a businessman who invited a U.S. Navy SEAL um, to live with him for one month. And uh, he wrote a book about that. And it's the most beautiful book because this businessman, the, the Navy SEAL had no mercy. He was saying, what do you mean? You can do a workout right now. But I've got a business meeting in half an hour. Yeah, that's cool. Guess <laughs> what? They did a brutal workout. And, and he started a business Zoom meeting dripping in sweat. But he had done his workout. Okay. This morning when I was at work, I did a case. And before the case and after the case, I, I did some push-ups. Um, I didn't have to, but I did. Um, because I wanted to help myself, hold myself accountable. So there you go. So there are sometimes you, your body says, oh, no, you can't do that. And when you actually think about it, yes, you can. Um, you can do five minutes here, five minutes there. That might be on your physical body. That might be in your relationship with your significant other. That might be in a business uh, sense. You can do a budget in five minutes. You can do. Um, you can think about uh, brainstorming how to either spend less or earn more. That's five minutes. The principle of the five-minute gardener. If you had a garden, and every day do five minutes, never less, never more. Within 30 days, your garden would look amazing. Within 90 days, it's probably a freaking oasis. So, And that is five minutes every day. And I try to do the same in my life. So the, ma the mentioning earlier when I tried to do something nice with my wife, it backfired a bit, but I still tried. And even while it backfired, it just showed that we two need to do more together to actually learn to live with each other and to, to learn how we deal with these triggers. Right. So it was not the most pleasant lunch I've ever had. Um, it was still good because I moved forward in my relationship. So there you are. So I did a bit of sport today. I earned a bit of money today. I uh, worked on my relationship. Well, that's already three good things I've done today. Um, I built up some people at work by just being being friendly and Treating the, the cleaner in the same way as I treat the CEO. And that was cool. So that's four, four good things I've done. Um, so hell, you know, if you actually add things up and look at them with, out of, with the eye of gratitude, suddenly you say, wow, okay, that's not bad. So even if I now come off this interview and somehow a wave of depression wants to come, I can already say, well, actually... I didn't do too badly today. And that's cool. And that came me. because, hey? You can blame me. Uh, no, it's just nice. It's just, it is, it is, uh, it's living intentionally, I guess. I try to live more and more my life with intention. Yes, I can hang out and just hang out with no intention. Or I could say, well, actually, um, I want to do some workout, but also this bloody weeds needs pulling. Well, there you go. So there's your workout. Down on your knees, boy. And, and very quickly, between the pulling and the pushing, you don't need to go to the gym. 
uh, you've got nice upper arm workout. Um, so that's that. So that's my choice. I could I could get angry about having to do the chore, or I could use it as a workout for me and rephrase it and, and reframe it to be something positive. These are all choices that we have in our daily life. And I cherish this opportunity nowadays that I get to do things. I don't have to, I don't, I don't must do, but I get to. And I think that is a beautiful, beautiful baseline. And if I can do many of these moments in a day, it's a good day. There will be some days when it doesn't work out, okay? And that's just, you need to write them off and get on with it. But that's, I think, really the key message. The past does not equal the future. You can have right now, you can make your, your call of making your life different. And TJ, that's what you do. That's what you do. You turned up. It's late in your place now. You actually turned up. You gave me the opportunity to beam in from New Zealand. And you could have said, no, I'm tired. I had a big, long day. But no, you showed up. You made this happen. And therefore, maybe together we've planted the seed in someone else's life um, to actually say, hey, if these two numbnuts can get their shit together, then maybe I can do too. Yeah. And can, that's beautiful. Can that's, you can you um quickly can you tell people like the darkest times of your your alcoholism because that's something I didn't want to skip over. Um maybe one of the mm. days that you would consider, you know, the bottom because there are people that go through this all the time and as I told sure. you off mic and sure. I talked on here my uncle Bill that was something mm. he was so talented yeah. and you know uh he built yeah. his own house and he did all these great things. He was a really smart nice guy but when it took over, he mm. was a totally different person. He lost a lot of friends and family sure. because of it. And, sure. um, you know, so can you, mm. I just, I like to paint a picture. And like I've said to many people, the irony mm. of me is I'm a very mm. visual person. So mm. I like to paint a picture for the audience <laughs> of what people go through. And, uh, so pun yeah. Pun intended. Right, right. Yeah, pun intended. All the podcasts is a pun all together, my blurred opinion. So it's, it's a pun all around. Um, but yeah, can you tell people, you. you know, like some of the, like the really, maybe your darkest day or times, whatever that you can recommend? Well, it's most, it's most definitely. I mean, there was a time when I very much had a suicide plan and, um, the only reason that I did not follow through was because I couldn't figure out a way that made it look like an accident so that my family still got uh, money from an insurance company. Um, that was the only reason that I didn't pull through. I think there were some really, really dark times and depression lies to you. So it tells you that you're worthless, that there is no hope, there's no help out there. And these are all lies. These are all this salt bullshit because nowadays I see all the help, all the, the, the simple steps I could have taken, the being simply open with my GP, with my family physician would have started the ball rolling and get me so much healthier. Uh, but no, I was hiding and I was full of shame and guilt and it was a very, very dark world. It was, there was no more hope. I was drinking um, basically whenever I could. And at the same time, I was a high-functioning alcoholic, defined as I still kept my job. I had enough money to actually sustain my drinking, not that that was any good for me. And, yeah, it was an absolute nightmare. I was hiding. I was constantly hiding. 
I was hiding in the morning that I was hungover. I was hiding that I thought about the alcohol. I was hiding that I then bought the alcohol by going to various places, thinking that no one knows how much I really buy. Um, then I was hiding the alcohol. I was hiding that I was drinking the alcohol. And then I was hiding that I was drunk. I was a, it was a busy lifestyle. I was hiding the whole day. And for fuck's sake, God, talk about, talk about nasty way of life. So there was depression, shame and guilt about all that. Oh my God, the, 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 the shame and guilt were, were just like acid eating up my soul and confirming to me that I was a failure. So again, it was a vicious cycle of, of trying to escape negative emotions only to create more of them. I've written a book called My Steps to Sobriety. And in there, I, I talk about anxiety, the anxiety the next day when you are hungover uh, because your problems have not gone away. If you've numbed them maybe for a few hours if you're lucky. Um, but then the same problems are still there. Plus now the shame and guilt of you having done maybe things under the influence that you're not proud of, shouted at your wife or made a hole in the wall or something like that. And it's just, oh my God, these were the dark times. I demanded love and respect for my children, but I behaved in such a way that they were rather not inclined to show me that love and respect. And quite rightly so. With hindsight, I can see that. Then, this was another thorn in my sight. Yeah. I'm bringing the money in. I work my guts out. And here, this is how you treat me. Well, yeah, if you, if you behave like an, like an ass, maybe they really don't show the love and maybe in the way that you want that, them to do so. Right. Yeah. So it was a self-fulfilling prof- prophecy of darkness, of basically shame, guilt, anxiety, and darkness. And uh, yeah, all drowned in vodka in industrial amounts. Right. Do you still get the itch? The itch as in that I want to drink? Yeah. No. No, none whatsoever. Um, and that has to do with the fact that nowadays there's a, a clarity, a crystal clear vision of what I want to be, who I want to be. And... I had the odd drink. I had uh, certainly uh, a relapse in, in the early times and in the first year. Um, and when I should say lapse, not relapse. Lapse means that you get drunk. Relapse means that you fall back completely into your old behavior with all the hiding, all everything. Um, so I had a lapse, but I felt like shit. Um, and nowadays, I love my life. I love that crystal clarity that that creativity it allows me to write books it allows me to to i've just opened an exhibition of pictures i've taken um in preparation for our children's book so i've I've produced the children's book as well and all that has just opened in a lovely uh exhibition a week ago stuff like that that is all my creativity you can't do that when you're pissed you can't do that when you're uh hungover you don't want to do that Nowadays, I can't wait to work in collaboration with other um, nutty people and uh, do nutty things. Um, yesterday, um, an old friend contacted me and said, hey, we haven't spoken to each other. And, and he is a photographer. I love photography. So he said, come on, let's, what shall we do? We need to do our old project again. They fell by the wayside with COVID. 
but now we we basically once a week had took a model and 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 created some fantastic photo shoots. So here he came out of the blue, offered me that that opportunity, and I thought, shit, yeah, I have to do that. And that is what I love. If I was to drink again, I could do nothing of those things that really make me feel good. So no, 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 no. Drinking, no. Um, there is still, I'm still an addict though. I still want to escape my reality. Um, I still want to do certain things. And that's where the cross addiction comes in. So alcohol, nah, thanks. But what about sugar? Oh yes. If I'm not careful, give me that cheesecake. Well, there will never be one <laughs> slice that is eaten. I will eat the half of the cheesecake. Okay. So that's the addict in me. You can't get enough. Um, with my work, I need to be careful. I love to work because, again, uh, it helps me to maybe not think uh, about my emotions, not feel my emotions. Again, so I'm a workaholic, just just as much as an addiction as anything else. So the cross addictions are now out there to get me. And I'm aware of it. I know that I can easily fall prey to them. But again, I'll take it as a, as a fact. Yes, this is my inclination. I, I still want to escape reality. I still want to do stupid things. But then again, I, I get to do other things that I hold in higher esteem. I get to live a life that is different. And that is what I love. That is what I truly love. So no, no more drinking. And I try to keep the cheesecake in under control okay that's good yeah food is much harder than alcohol because food you actually actually need to live so it's uh, uh that's true and again the, really it seems like the best stuff for you just doesn't taste as good as the stuff that's not <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> really and that good. again talk talk about talk about people actually taking advantage of that there is a certain bliss point and that bliss point has been uh designed a certain food that has just the right amount of fat, just the right amount of salt, just the right amount of crunch. Uh, and when you have that in your mouth, it is as addictive as cocaine or worse. Okay, so it is. Uh, there is a whole multi-billion dollar industry out there who is trying to get you. So only because you're paranoid doesn't mean that they are not out there to get you. Well, when it comes to food and the food industry, regrettably, that is so true. But then again, again, be aware of it. These are nasty people who want to make money out of you uh, by you being addicted to certain foods. Well, guess what? It's still your control, what you put in your mouth and how much of it. So it's all good. It is life. Take yeah. it as a challenge. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, again, you got to have a little fun. You can't just constantly <laughs> worry about everything. I know that's probably sound bad to say to an addict, but I mean, there's there's certain things in moderation that you can do. Maybe not alcohol for you, but yeah. you know, eating that's a piece done. of cheesecake every so often is what it is. It's or, or that's whatever. exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. This morning I had the most beautiful almond croissant um, and in a in a in a French bakery, uh, and that was a pure treat uh, because it's full of butter and it's full of gluten, which my gut really doesn't like. Yet uh, once a year I said, okay, fine, today I gonna I gonna enjoy it. So everything in moderation, including moderation, okay? Yeah, yeah, you have to. Yeah, you got to <laughs> enjoy yourself. Um, so what are, you, what are you up to these days with your life? Well, um, hmm, who do I want to be now? 
that's very true. I've come a long way. And the cool thing is you realize then that there's so much more to explore. So I've just done uh, a course on transcendental meditation because that's something I had never learned meditation. So I've done, I've put my money where my mouth is and actually learned that. I try to uh, be more, um, more consistent in the sport that I do and in the achievements and the challenges. So I want to do a challenge um, of sorts every three months. I want to do a competition uh, in, in the sports that I enjoy every six months. So basically be out there and not just show up for my show, but actually show up for my life. It's very easy for me to get so engrossed in my own show, in writing more books, in being creative. But what about my own body? What about my own smile? What about my relationships? So my big goal is to be more spread out and to be more accountable, not just focusing only on one part of your life and neglecting everything else, because I'm very good in that. So, no. Uh, who am I? Uh, the new me is actually taking my wife to nice places uh, and or just just actually being present with her. I think this would be a damn good start. You don't need to waste money or spend money uh, in a relationship. But just being present and actually listening to the, the your significant other would just be so important in so many cases. Stuff like that. So showing up for me, showing up as a parent, showing up as uh, as a husband, I think that would be key things. Work on my wealth, absolutely, because it's so much easier to do good things when you have got a, uh, a certain amount of money yeah. compared with when you're struggling yourself. So it that's, does. I think, a duty for all of us to get our shit together. And that might mean anything. Basically, it means work smarter, not harder. Um, and uh, trust me, I'm a workaholic. I know how to work hard. Um, but to come to the next step, you need to think, okay, how do you let your money work? So therefore, that uh, meant that over the last three, four years, I, I learned how to invest. I learned how to, to make my money uh, work for me, those kind of things. So I've done that. I, I want to get better in that. So that's coming. So all these kind of things. So that's how I grow for myself. So that's the important bit for me. If you ask me in my show, hell, I will continue having fantastic guests. I've got now about, oh, 261 interviews, something like that. Um, and I can't, can't wait to do more because every hour that I spend with my guests, uh, it's like an hour of therapy. Um, I actually love it. Uh, I learn a lot from my guests. What's the and it changes me. Well, what what's kind of what made you want to start a podcast and kind of like what's the subject matter that you get into with your guests? It's my steps to sobriety is uh, how is the name of my podcast. But the reality is, uh, I we talk about living lives and the lessons learned. So I've had uh, concentration camp survivors. I had um, special forces people who ended up on the receiving end of bullets. I had people with disabilities, chronic pain, and people with crippling depression. You name it, I bring these people on and want to learn what made them survive. And not just survive, but thrive. 
So I want to learn from the hard lessons that others have learned and want to meet unique people out there. And there are so many of us who have transformed and have changed our lives. So this is beautiful. I love this journey and I won't stop anytime soon. Yeah, I love this show. Which, of course, brings me to the point that, TJ, when the hell are you coming onto my show? Uh, whenever I'll you want me. I'll be quite clear about that. Just tell me <laughs> when you need me and I'm on. I'm, You're on, brother. You're on. <laughs> yeah, just, we'll find a date and I'll be on. Um, but yeah, one of, the things you, one of the things you said is, uh, you know, one of the things I, I really like to really show is how much a person can take and how much they continue to come and keep fighting and keep going because... Yeah. You, from the surface on the outside, like a lot of people will see some of the things that even just you and I went through and it's like, well, I couldn't go through that. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, anybody can say that. But and again, I think there mm. are people that are built differently to, to endure. Absolutely. Um, some of Absolutely. us are and some of us aren't. That's just what and there's certain qualities <laughs> like you just can't buy. They're not out there available. Like you can't just buy loyalty. Like you either a loyal <laughs> person or you're not. Um, yep. You're either an honest person or you're not. And so, but, in order to be honest, you have to be honest with yourself. So, you know, it, it's it, it's amazing just to see how many people can be just kicked over and over repeatedly by life, and then just they continue to find a way to pull themselves back up mm. um, through tears and pain. And it's like, let's mm. round round thirty five. Mm. Let's go. Mm. Um, exactly. There's a lot of beauty. But that is that. the key to survival. Oh, that's the key to survival. And we all of those of us who are out there and who have gone through that, it's like a secret uh, system brotherhood. Um, there's certainly, we don't have a secret handshake. Maybe we should. Um, but, you know, it is, it is this kind of, this kind of, nah, okay, fine, life has been a bitch, but let's make the most out of it. And with that, we grow. And initially, we survive, then we thrive. And then we come to a point where we want to make this suffering have a meaning, and that's when we speak out. And that's where you are all having your your show here. That's where you are destined to make, to leave a legacy, to make a difference. Because you and I, we are both convinced that this world can be better. And yeah. we do it one podcast at a time, one project at a time. Life is too short. We want to live it to the fullest. And that makes us special. And that is like an infectious disease. We can infect others with our attitude. And by us showing up, by us living alive to the fullest, that is the best <laughs> disease that can, that can flood deserve and infect everyone around us. Hell, <laughs> I want to be that contagion. I want to be that person uh, who is touching the life of others and making a difference that I want to have written on my gravestone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about just kind of taking what others gave us from before and passing yeah. it on to them and just keep, you know, the circle going because no matter how much awful shit happens, you have to, like, and no matter how, how much is against you from succeeding with what you're trying to do, you have to keep pushing and pushing because somebody's got to do it. And you can't just keep waiting around for others to do it. It's just, it's not, it's not going to happen. Not, not the way you want it to. So, and if you can inspire one person to, you know, get on the front line and and fight with you, well, now there's two of you and then maybe they can find one person and and it just, it keeps going because 
somebody's got to pick up the baton from the last generation that did it. Mm. And if you don't, like sure. I said, it'll die sure. with it. And then, you know, mm-hmm. and again, we all have to look at what our, what you want your legacy to be. Like, do you want mm. your legacy to be something? Okay. Well, you have to go out and get that. You have to earn that. You can't just say like, oh, I want to mm. be respected when I die. Like I want to, I want people to know that I'm a fighter and that I'm a, mm. I, I care. And, well, you can't just do mm. that by just telling everybody like, Hey, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm a lovable person. You should love me. Like, that sounds nah. great, but that, that's not that's not how you earn it. You gotta earn that shit. Like when people who wear shirts saying I'm a survivor, a lot of people who are survivors just kind of frown upon that because it's like, if you're a survivor, we know. Like, and I mean a survivor that's of true. whatever cancer or anything. Like we know yeah. because we we can tell from your emotional scars. We can just tell the way yeah. you 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 act in in life. So, yeah, I mean, just if you want to pass this stuff down, you want people to love and respect you and and think that you're a great person. You just gotta do. Um, and not always, not always expect, you know, something back by going like, Oh, wow. TJ, thank you for thinking of me. It's like, yeah, I know. And and look, we all want it. We all want that, you know, gratification back to go like, know that they they appreciated or they understood the the levels that you went for them. Um, but eventually it does, you know, it's like kids don't understand how much their parents sacrifice for them until they're older. And then either Mm. they become a parent or they're just old enough and mature enough to understand, like, wow, my mom or my dad really <laughs> did a lot for me. Um, I just couldn't mm. see it when I was seven and all I wanted was video games. And she said no, and I just said, you're a bad mom because you didn't buy me this mm-hmm. game. It's like, no, you'll you'll mm. find out eventually. We all do. And, um, you know, mm. yeah, yeah, it's just... It's, but yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's amazing to have these conversations, especially with someone like you, because it's like I said, it, you and I have come from two different parts of the world. We have two different issues, um, but there are similarities and it, it, you just got to use that. And just because we have differences, I think that's that's the problem in the world. Like we all look at each other's differences and not look at the similarities and we, we, exactly. just, we focus so much on those differences and we just go like, oh, because you don't look like me or you, it's like, yeah. And again, <laughs> back to what I said earlier, like yeah. putting yourself in someone Bullshit. else's shoes is mm. so key. If you can just imagine what it's like to have yeah. an alcohol problem or have mental issues or have vision mm. problems or, or whatever your issues are, yeah. if you can just try to consider, and that's why it's good to you know, navigate it and, and find others mm-hmm. and, and add different people to your circle. Don't always have people that look mm-hmm. like you or have similar oh, things. Exactly. Like you need to have some sort of diversity in your life so that you can have experience mm-hmm. so that you don't have this closed minded mm-hmm. mind um, to what else goes on out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I live in this small yeah. town, but I moved back here for a job and you can tell a lot of these people haven't been any further than two towns over because of the way yeah. they act and way the way they you know converse with each other, it's like you don't know what the hell goes on. I lived in Philadelphia; it's a major city, and I yeah. there were so many people that didn't look like me, and we just got along, had fun, and yeah, there's there's people that are still ignorant and shitty down there, but they're less closed minded than than the ones that mm. are down here because these people don't know anything. They just look at what they mm. see on the news, and it's like, oh, mm. this is it. This is this is how I you know define mm. my life, and you know mm. if you if you Google search all your ants like if you google search like what you want to say like if you say you know new zealand is a great country but if you or if you google new zealand is a bad country instead of just doing that why don't you just google something uh-huh, neutral uh-huh. Like, you know what is it like yeah. to live in new zealand you know but if you like google your points it's gonna you're gonna get the answers you want back and it's no, gonna cool. continue to feed that ego and it's gonna continue to make you feel mm. 
the way you always felt about it instead of actually learning. Mm. Um, well, TJ, may I suggest a different point of view okay. from uh, about your disability? Because maybe your disability is your superpower. Because of your disability, your, your vision impairedness, um, there will be so many other people who are vision impaired out there. Now, chances are they don't look like you. Chances are they might be Asian or black or whatever color or origin they have. They still are part of this tribe of being vision impaired. They might have different religions. They might have different political affiliations. Is that not interesting? Suddenly your life has become so much more inclusive because you're focusing not on the tribe of being a white person in America, but you're uh, focusing on the tribe of being a vision impaired person in America. Yeah. Complete different, different bunch of people. No, and I, if I, you I, now I, extend that further, you actually want to be the tri in the tribe of people who want to have a really good love together and who want to enjoy some great food together around the table. Well, that would be quite a nice tribe to be, to be there. So it depends upon how you look at the world. Um, maybe, maybe your disability is your superpower because it allows you to see life differently compared with 95, 98% of the population around you. Yeah. Maybe no, the people yeah. around you are more vision impaired than you are. Oh, that, that's, yeah, that, that was kind of a saying I adapted way back when that I said the, the people who see the most okay, see the sorry. least and the people who see the least see the most <laughs> a lot of times. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, that is something I've definitely tapped into. I mean, I've always been that person that just had people around me. I didn't care what you look like, what you went through, because I know yeah. what it's like to be discriminated against. So that has never been mm. any of my issues. It's um, My issue is more getting people to understand that themselves because, yeah, I mean, mm. I, empathy, there's certain things that when you have a disability, like you just automatically get. Now, you don't, you, not every one of us tap into it, but mm. you, you you can receive it if you really know how to understand your disability and, and really try to conquer it yeah. because, yeah, no, absolutely, there, it doesn't really matter what you look like. <laughs> and I, I always wondered, something I came up with recently, like I've wondered like what it would be like if – everybody forgot what everyone looked like and they were all blind for like a month. And, oh. and that's just see how people would treat each other because now you can't go by, oh, absolutely. you can't go by just voices. You can't just go by certain mm. things. You have to actually get to know them. You can't judge them from that's afar. That. You have to that's really, that. you have to touch them. You have to, you know, you have to hear them. There's so much that goes mm. into it. So, mm. um, yeah. Um, but I, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, we should do that. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, should we do should, that honestly. Yeah, we should just find make. Let's just poke everyone's eyes, and hopefully they're damaged for a month. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> Seems like there's no, a lot of lawsuits working on it. Oh no, no, the German television uh, did that uh, twenty years ago. They uh, took a young female reporter and asked her to go shopping, but uh, in an almost supermarket. But they turned her into a ninety-year-old. And they did quite clever. So they put heavy weights onto her arms to simulate that there's not more strength, that you're reduced in strength. They put certain goggles on to make her reduce her vision. They put ear uh, muffs on in such a way that she doesn't really hear so well anymore. It was amazing. And then they sent her shopping. You know, normal things. You know, get the cheese, get that yogurt from the top shelf, you know, whatever. And it was amazing. They followed her around and her struggles um, by being turned as a young person into this old person. 
and having somehow to to deal with the the reduced abilities that came with an old age. Yeah. And that was a bloody good thing to do. So there is something to be said about your suggestion. I wouldn't go as far as poking <laughs> nails into people's eyes. Yeah, Maybe yeah. that would be considered a bit extreme. Um, just but a little. I think, yeah, just a little. Uh, but I think it is it is very good to to think more inclusive yeah. and to actually see how things would be like for another person. And uh, regardless what it is, may that be a disability or may that be a, I don't know, certain traits in their life. I don't know. Who knows? Um, it is, exactly. But, but um, this is something we get to do. Yeah. You, your suggestion is good. And by you just asking that question or making that suggestion, maybe we have already changed someone's life. Yeah, maybe. Because maybe with, with them listening to what we have said, they would maybe treat a person with a with a, a, a disability maybe in a different way next time they come across them they uh, it is uh, that's what we're doing here we are we are changing lives and I think this is beautiful for that I'm, I'm grateful that that you actually had me on that we that we were able to share these thoughts because yeah. just us brainstorming and talking shit will hopefully change this world to a little bit better yeah. And for that, I live. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was, it was really a pleasure having you on. And my cat is rolling over, showing me his belly. He's like, hey, I need attention, but I also need to get to bed. Um, <laughs> exactly. No, I, I'm acutely aware it's about 11 o'clock with you. Almost, uh, yeah. So you, yeah, exactly, man. I'm so grateful that you could make the time that we two could catch up. Yeah. The, the time difference is a bitch, but we made it happen. We both showed up. And uh, for that, I think we both should pat each other on the back right. um, because that's what success is all about. So you guys out there, you know, take a lesson um, and, and show up in your life and make the most out of it. Live with passion. You, it's, a, it's a privilege to live. Many people don't get that privilege. It's cut too short. You yeah. see there's a doctor all the time. So let's make the most out of this, this life and focus on, on those things that we can influence god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change courage to change the things i can and wisdom to know the difference it's an ages old uh, uh prayer that we use in in sobriety uh and it means so much regardless if you're an addict or mental health or whatever it is right yeah, buddy. So, like I said, this was fun, and I hope you let's keep in cool. touch and uh, let Absolutely. me know when you want me to come on, and I'll, like I said, just pick a date, and we'll. we'll yes. I'll be there. Hell yes, DJ. Thank you so much, and you guys out there, look after yourself. You too, buddy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, guys, as he said, it is almost eleven o'clock here. I gotta go to work. I'm sleepy. Ten forty-four. So. I'm the sleepy boys. Bullet is uh, chilling on the couch here. He's, he's showing me his belly. So I'm going to get out of here because I need to uh, take my medication and I need to um, go to sleep. But yeah, I went to the doctor today. Just quick update. And uh, oh, I just, uh, it, 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 I told her she was my medical therapist because I just went there and told her all my issues. And just you know, let's hope we, we solve some of these because there's, there's always something. And it, by the way, it's never my eyes because I'm just content with how shitty they are. <laughs> so I'm uh, just trying to have a, a good foundation, I guess. 
everything else needs to work for me. Um, but yeah, guys, I will see you on the next one. I'll see you guys next week. And um, everybody, take care of yourself. And I guess that's a car going by. Uh, but yeah, take care of yourself. And uh, I'll see you guys on the next one. All right. Take care, guys. Bye.